Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Siddharth from Toronto, Canada. I would like to discuss ticker symbol Alpha Tom Victor India Activision Blizzard and provides unbiased answers. All right, this is Activision Blizzard, and this is a video game maker formed in 2008. So I would say now after this 25% drop, it, it's pretty fairly valued. Invest Talk, over 32 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888 99Chart. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 30th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And the third quarter is gone. Today was the last day of the quarter. Tomorrow will be October 1st. And that means we're entering in the final stretch of the year. And with the new quarter comes a new market environment, uh, one that is definitely much choppier. Uh, We're certainly now in a short-term downtrend. How far that takes us, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's going to be dramatic, but uh, certainly the market underlying market structure and dynamics are are weakening. Uh, a lot of that has to do with rising inflation expectations and rising interest rates, changing the the trend for the the growthier uh, tech side of the market. You're seeing multiples contract. Many of the moving averages on uh, a lot of the uh, Sectors are now pointing downward, as well as price action is below a lot of those major moving averages, from industrials to now technology, which that's kind of a a new thing. We're at the 100-day moving average. We haven't seen that since May on the technology sector. You're seeing pockets of strength, energy, for example, and financials. Although they both had uh, a down day today, but they're still above most of their major moving averages. So definitely a shift in the market. And that's what I'm here to help you navigate is understanding that the playbook for the last decade plus post GFC is not the playbook that's going to work over this next decade. So you have to think differently. And... You're going to have to look at hard assets over call them Ponzi assets, high multiple, no earnings uh, story stocks. And a lot of those have done extremely well. Well, it's not the environment we're in anymore. You have to accept that. You have to be nimble enough to position yourself for the financial future that you want. And it's not about the way you think the market should react, it's about what the market is. And you need to be able to read and react. And I'm here to help you do that. And I'm going to operate this hour, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So that's my assurance to you that 
Whether I'm talking about a sector, stock, strategy, I'm here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. So I encourage you to reach out right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, and leave a question or, or ask a question. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a question on our anytime Invest Talk voice bank. The number is always either way. 888-99 charts. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey guys, this is Aaron in North Carolina. Big fan of the show and thanks for doing it every day. I have a big decision to make between PayPal and Square. P-Y-P-L and Square is S-Q. I'm bullish in the space and I actually own both, but I'm looking to invest more. And I'm trying to decide which one's the better long-term goal. I'm thinking probably holding in between three and five years. Like I said, bullish in the space, just looking for your guidance on which one you like more. Thanks. Well, my first question is, why would you be bullish on the space? I understand bullish from a, a business standpoint. Electronic payments are, are rising. And PayPal and Square are firmly in that trend where uh, their business is, is doing well. Their revenues are growing substantially. Uh, PayPal or Square is growing its revenue in the summer in the neighborhood of 150% over the last four quarters. Now, pre-pandemic wasn't nearly that strong. It was in the 44% range. So I think a lot of the, the, the growth will uh, moderate a bit. Um, so I, I think that will come back down there with PayPal. It was growing much slower, trading at a lower multiple. And uh, so I actually like PayPal. I'd rather buy the lower multiple name in this, in this environment where multiples are contracting. Square, it's multi, right now it's trading at 136 times earnings. Okay, Even if you go next year's expected $2.30 in earnings, that's 100 times. Extremely expensive. PayPal, based on next year's earnings of 588, much cheaper, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 times forward multiples. Yes, it's growing slower, uh, but there's a lot less for that multiple to contract. The first question is, why would you be adding to either? I think both are, are going to struggle, and you're seeing that in the charts. They're both now in a downtrend. PayPal below the 200-day moving average, all the major moving averages. Square closed below it yesterday. Did it recapture it today? I don't think it did. Let me zoom in here on the chart. No, didn't. So they both closed below their 200-day moving average today, uh, making lower highs and lower lows. Uh, but if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking uh, PayPal, but I'm not adding to either at this point. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Jeff in Florida looking at Big Lots. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Um, yeah, I'm looking at looking good. I uh, just want to say thank you for the show. Um, I'm looking at Big Lots cause, because um, big drop today on it. Um, I've been reading up. I, I know inflation's hurting these companies, I guess, for, for their margins and the cost for their goods. I was wondering what your midterm – Look, outlook was on this? 
Well, we uh, we like Big Lots. Uh, we own it for clients. We've been picking it up on this pullback. Um, and today they had a note from, I believe it was Jeffries, that uh, the economic slowdown, which I don't think there's an economic slowdown. Um, I think that inflation is accelerating along with the overall economy, probably inflation a little bit faster. But um, uh, they, they cited shipping costs, which, yes, I think those will remain elevated. But they've been elevated for over a year now, and their business remains uh, relatively strong. So um, I, I think this is a buying opportunity. It is into some major support, especially if you zoom out to the weekly moving average or mo- the, the weekly chart. There's a lot of support right around $42. Now we're at 43.36. So we're very close to that major support level. Uh, so it's trading at very, very cheap multiples. I think their business uh, caters to lower and middle income people, and those people are getting more money. Look what's happening with the stimulus, uh, child tax credit, et cetera. That certainly helped their their business. And so um, we like their the name. They've been buying back shares. Uh, pretty aggressively, and so that's that. That makes us a big fan of uh, their capital allocation decisions because they're buying back those shares at a very, very cheap multiple, um, and that's accretive to shareholders. So I like it. I'm a fan of it, and I would be picking it up around these levels in the low 40s. All right, thank you. Thank you. Now we're moving into a short break. On the other side, I will preview today's focus point and I'll summarize the market as well. So hang on. This is Invest Talk. No two investors have an identical portfolio. So each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 8899 chart, 8899 Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. A rising number of retiring retiring baby boomers may be creating eye-opening changes. Now, in an economy that's hungry for employees, organizations need to find ways to adapt and attract boomers back to jobs they held before the pandemic. I'm going to give you some stats, and this is right in the heart of the inflation theme. There are multiple factors that are driving inflation the inflation numbers higher uh, across the board, and one is the labor picture. And so I'm going to dig into the statistics to show you why it's so difficult for people or, or businesses to find 
good workers at reasonable rates. And and frankly, you know, talking about a fifteen dollar minimum wage, that's almost going to happen automatically because uh, they're going to have these businesses are going to have to raise wages to uh, attract enough workers. So that's certainly something I'm going to uh, cover. I also want to talk about OPEC and how important they are in this transition uh, from the carbon economy, carbon energy economy to the green economy and why they have a bigger influence than they used to. And then China. China is changing its motto, new slogan. It's called common prosperity. What does that mean for the Chinese economy as a whole uh, and Chinese investments? So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, maybe we dig into the options market and what's happening over there as well. But that's what's on my mind. Ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So give me a call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's look at the market today. The S&P was down 52 points, down a little over 1%. And on a weekly basis, we are now below the 20-week moving average. And we're in a downtrend. I think we're headed for the 200-day moving average, right around the 4150 range on the S&P. And I think that's the next major support level. The NYSE, that was down 200 points, about 1.5%. Interesting enough, that did not break to new lows. That The low on that still is from September 20th. The NASDAQ, the COMPQ, that was down 63 points, big move down as well, uh, but not not too dramatic after big weakness over the past couple a uh, few days uh, in the Nasdaq because of the higher interest rates. Talked about this before. Multiples contract when interest rates go up, and nothing lives at higher multiples in this market than the Nasdaq index overall. We closed below the hundred-day moving average there, uh, right around fourteen four 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 on or sorry, sorry fourteen four four eight. Uh, on the on the Nasdaq, that's probably headed once again down to the 200-day moving average around 14,000. So I expect uh, you know three or four percent down on the Nasdaq as well before we find support. A lot of this has the narrative is around the debt ceiling, around the fact that the Congress cannot pass a stimulus package. They're still negotiating it. The Treasury announced that they're running out of money October 18th, so that gives them about two and a half weeks to figure this out. I think they will. There's too much money for their constituents, for uh, their donors uh, to not get these things passed. They'll figure out a way. Uh, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, they are holding up a lot of this and being very difficult. They're going to throw something their way, something for Virginia, uh, for, for Manchin. Uh, I don't, I, where's Kirsten Cinema from? I forget where she, her, her district is. But this, these are going to be ironed out. They always are uh, because there's too much money at play here. Uh, and when the markets sink, that is another indication that, hey, you need to get your act together. You need to do something. Okay. So I don't see that being an issue uh, past the next week or two. What is an issue is what that's going to create are, is more treasury supply. I don't know if you know this, but uh, during the COVID panic, the Treasury borrowed a bunch of money. They issued a bunch of treasuries, uh, brought the Treasury General account, which is the checkbook for the Fed, all the way up to $1.8 trillion. Usually lives around three or $400 billion. 
Now it's down to 200 million. They've been drawing that down. So that's kept interest rates kind of low because the Fed's been buying up supply and there hasn't been a lot of new supply uh, in the market. Well, once you get the debt ceiling raised, the stimulus package passed, there's going to be a lot of borrowing coming up. Um, and so I think that's the biggest worry here uh, is that interest rates continue to kind of grind higher and compress multiples and he- he- weigh much heavier on uh, the areas of the market like, uh, like tech, software, semiconductors, uh, et-, et cetera. So uh, understand that and be weary. Make sure that you understand your risk in your portfolio. Now, this is Invest Talk. And if you never called, why not do it now? I will be curious to hear your questions, and I would love to give you my unbiased answer. Our phone lines never close, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Yeah, hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jim from New Jersey. Uh, greatly appreciate everything you guys are doing. I just wanted to get your take on Grayscale. Let's ticker E-T-H-E. I bought a position about six months ago, but I'm just wondering if I should get out or try and stick with this. Thanks again. Bye. All right. Well, what you're looking at is ETHE, the Grayscale Ethereum Trust. So you're uh, investing in Ethereum here. And while I do think Ethereum is gaining market share in the crypto space from uh, Bitcoin, I think both are going to be extremely volatile. Now, technically, I will say, uh, Ethereum's pulled back to support. Uh, that's the positive. Uh, the negative is it pivoted in early September and didn't reach new highs. Didn't make It's now made a lower high from its May high. Uh, and that puts it more in a neutral stance. You're seeing momentum kind of wane. And I, I'm actually pretty bearish on the crypto space into the, the December time frame. So I would not be adding to uh, this name um, not an exciting part. Like I said, uh, I think crypto is kind of part of the Ponzi sector. Kind of is. Right? There's no earnings there. Uh, it's just a story. Uh, it's all about whether, you know, what are the cryptonomics and how much uh, how much is being used and, and created and um, whether it's inflationary or deflationary. A, a lot of that stuff is more of an idea than in reality. How many places do you know that take Ethereum or Bitcoin? Very few. I'm sure that's going to grow over time. And I, I do think 20, 30 years from now, that's going to be a space that is um, more used. The problem is, is you have things like what's happening in China. China banned all, 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 not just Bitcoin, all cryptocurrency transactions. Made them illegal. Well, a lot of people will point to what was it? Uh, was it no? Was it Venezuela? It was some country? I forget the, the name recently that uh, is accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. It's, I believe it's a very small South American country. China's bigger, a lot bigger than that one. Um, I guarantee it. So, because uh, it's the second largest in the world, so 
that's my biggest problem with the space. I, I think it's more part of the Ponzi sector than the real sector. I think it's more part of um, an idea than true, re- true reality. Uh, and I think there is momentum over time. And I've said this before. I think the space is a lot like TP- TCIP back in the 60s. They were trying to figure out the internet and what the standards would be. And it ended up being TCIP. And that's what the built internet is built on now. And so I still think they're in this process of developing tools and I think it'll get better and there'll be better use cases. And I think Ethereum has some use cases like uh, NFTs. I think that has some use case. Is it probably overblown? Yes. But that's a lot of things in this market, especially the crypto market. So I'm just not a fan of this right now. Um, On my watch list, maybe years down the road when sentiment gets really bad, um, but mm, we're not there yet. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. A rising number of retiring baby boomers may be creating, an, uh, may, may be creating eye-opening changes. And this is really interesting because data shows that nearly 6 million more boomers in the U.S. retired from October 2020 through March of this year than the same period a year prior. That's a lot. That's a lot. And this is, I think, the main driver of why we're having a labor shortage in this country and organizations are going to have to figure out a way to either transition with less uh, of a workforce or to entice some of these boomers back to their jobs. Now about 28.6 million baby boomers, uh, those born between 1946 and 64, reported in the third quarter of 2020 that they were out of the labor force due to retirement. That's 3.2 million more than the boomers uh, who retired in the same quarter a year prior. So over that year, that's there were 3.2 million extra. Now, since 2011, the average annual rate was 2 million boomers retiring. So you're talking about a 60% increase in the l- number of boomers retiring just in that short period of time. Now, in the first quarter of this year, 30.3 million boomers reported they were out of the labor force due to retirement. So you're talking about from the third quarter, 28.6, to the first quarter, about half a year, went up 1.7 million. So that's on a pace of 3.4. Another excess of a million and a half-ish, more baby boomers retiring than they were doing before the pandemic. Okay. And... This is really the big issue. Now, the good thing is that millennials are now the biggest cohort of working age population. For years, boomers were the, were the most. But boomers are, the older boomers are dying off. And many more are retiring for various, they're retiring for various reasons. One, many are, are business owners. And they didn't want to deal with cover restrictions and the pain and, and, and their, their business was shut down for months at a time, months, and they probably got used to it, right? And also, markets were really high, so they had the, the money to do it. Now, will their strategy endure through maybe a downturn? We'll see. Uh, but that's a big trend in the market right now. 88.99 chart. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call. Let's say 
You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888-99-CHART. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So let's go to an iTunes, iTunes reviewer now, Podcast Attic 69 says, question about canoe stock, G-O-E-V. G-O-E-V is the symbol. I know it's another one of those EV companies that don't make money. I just have been watching the stock price. And since it's so low, I thought maybe it's worth taking a small position in it. Well... All right, they design, manufacture, distribute, break through electronic electric vehicles. You're right, don't make money. 
This is the exact type of name that you do not want to own. This is part of the Ponzi sector. And let's go look at the fundamentals here. If you call them fundamentals, they're pretty pretty poor. And still $1.8 billion market cap. They have zero revenue. They're burning money. They have some cash in their balance sheet, but all they're going to do is probably issue more and more shares. 237 million shares outstanding. They're continue, that continues to go up. The chart looks, it's in a downtrend. Now, short term, it does look like it's getting a bit of a reversal here. Um, so technically, I could say yes the, for a short term play, but this is not the name that I would want to be owning. Um, this would be a name I'd actually be looking for a short on a lower high, uh, right around the 200-day moving average, around 10, 10.50. I think that would actually probably be a good short level. This is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us as well. Now let's play another caller question. Hey, guys. This is Zach from Minnesota. I'm calling just to get your opinion on ticker ABB. Looking to buy this uh, position and put it into a dividend portfolio for the the long term. Just kind of like a buy and hold for the next uh, about 10 plus years. Uh, looking for your opinion. Thank you. Well, I wish I could answer this one, but ABD, I, I don't get a symbol for ABD. <laughs> I don't, I wish you said a company name. Usually people get the symbol wrong, but they get the name right. And I can look it up by the name. I got no, I have no name here. So if you're ever calling, uh, you're ever leaving a message, make sure you have the name along with the symbol. So even if you have the symbol wrong, uh, then we have something to go on. Uh, but sorry, ABD, there's no company with a symbol of Oh, Aberdeen. Is it Aberdeen? My, my, uh, I, I, I don't have, yeah, I don't have this. Aberdeen. I see. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm talking to my, uh, <laughs> my producer. Um, Aberdeen is, he's saying it's Aberdeen, but there's Aberdeen funds. There's a lot of Aberdeen funds, but I don't see an ABD. So, sorry, you're going to have to call in and clarify what you're looking at. Now, let's pivot quickly to OPEC. And this is a new report from OPEC, and it's forecasting an unlikely winner in this shift away from hydrocarbons. And it's themselves. And frankly, I don't think they're wrong. Not only do they expect global oil demand to grow steadily over the next couple of decades, uh, but they think that their share of providing oil to the world is only going to increase from about 33% today to 39% by 2045. Now, the Saudi Arabia and the UAE and the OPEC members, they ship 57% of the world's crude exports in 2045. That's projection. And it's 48% today. So they expect that to grow uh, dramatically. Now, the market share is the market share shift is because non OPEC supply is forecast to plateau and peak in late 2020. Why? Because of lack of investment. So I go talking. I'm ta I've been talking about recently. Green energy is great. Love green energy. I love. I would love for an entire grid to be green. Problem is, is that. It's going to take a long period of time. And just look at their forecast right now. Green energy 
as a part of our global energy mix, accounts for 2.5% of the world energy supply. Now, they expect it to grow consistently, quadruple the 10% of world energy supply by 2045. That's 24 years from now. You're talking, go from, talking about going from 2.5% to 10%. The problem is, is that the powers that be, the board seats at the large corporations, the politicians, they want that to happen sooner. And they think they can just turn off the carbon economy and turn on the green economy without fully building out the green economy that is literally going to take decades and decades to build out. And that's really the issue here. And that's why you're likely to see oil prices continue to go up. Last month, Biden said, called on OPEC to accelerate its plan to boost crude output. OPEC did nothing. And now, as of Tuesday, international crude prices neared $80 a barrel, the highest level in three years. Now, OPEC said the global, overall global demand for oil will increase 8% over the next two decades to 108 million barrels a day, up from 100, billion, 100 million barrels a day today. And if you look at history of the, of the ener- energy markets, what you'll find is we find new sources of energy, but we don't really stop using the old sources of energy. We don't. We still use a, a lot of uh, the energy we've used going back centuries. We just use new sources as well. And we find uses for it. And so this is the big worry here. Is that demand is going to increase, continue to increase. Why? Because the growing emerging markets continue to increase their demand as well. And it said... In this report, new oil demand growth will come from the developing world, where oil demand is expected to climb 52% over the next couple of decades. So even if our demand for these hydrocarbons declines, we're still going to need it to some degree. And the demand in developing worlds is going to increase as their standard of living increases as well. So that's what we're setting ourselves up for, not only for an energy shock, an energy crisis here in the coming few years, but handing OPEC even more power. So that's where we're at. Now, you probably heard us mention that we have Invest Talk listeners across America and around the world. And we will demonstrate that now with this next question that came in earlier from Canada. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Siddharth from Toronto, Canada. I would like to discuss ticker symbol Alpha Tom Victor India Activision Blizzard currently at $75. Looks like a good stock and I, I have it in my radar for some time and it has a good earning, good institutions count. Just looking for long term and wanted to hear your feedback. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. This is Activision Blizzard and this is a video game maker formed in 2008 where they merged to one of the largest console video game publishers, uh, Activision, and Blizzard, one of the largest PC video game publishers. And they consistently make strong cash flow, strong profits, 
Return on equity over that time is averaged in the mid-teens, which I like. And cash flow has been steady. It hasn't grown dramatically, even though their business's uh, revenue has doubled roughly since 2014. Their cash flow has also doubled. Um, so a solid, steady grower. I like that. It has pulled back here from a 52-week high around $104. Now we're at $77, so down 26%. My issue is technically it is in a downtrend, and I don't like that. Hmm. This worries me a, a bit. Is that just that downtrend? Um, I don't mind the business. I think it's a pretty good business. It's just not trading cheap enough, and the technicals are not reversing for me here. Not enough. Showing a bit of strength the last few days has been relatively strong when the market's been relatively weak. So that's a good thing. Um, let me look at its enterprise value to EBIT is around 15 currently after this big drop. What does it typically trade at? Yeah, it's right in the middle. So I would say now after this 25% drop, it, it's pretty fairly valued. It's not expensive. It's not particularly cheap, but it's a good business. And so if you're looking to get into this business longer term, this is a fair price, not a cheap price, not an expensive price. It's a fair price. So eh, I give it an okay. Now, fall has now begun. We're heading into the fourth quarter, and you're starting to see a bit of market volatility. And are you prepared? Are your emotions kicking up a little bit? If they are, you have to ask yourself, do you have a plan? Or are you going to allow those emotions to dictate your decision-making? Well, if you need help, understanding your emotions, understanding your, vol your, your, your risk, understanding your strategy, whether it's good, bad, okay, I encourage you to reach out to me. We can help you. Do a free portfolio review assessment. Go over your goals, your positions, your strategy. Make sure you're on the right track. We'd love to help you. So if you want us to, to help you in any way, reach out to us through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question from a listener in Ohio. Hang on. That'll be in 30 seconds. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, Justin, this is Andrew from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I just bought a house recently. I'm slowly getting back into the market. I'm looking at SoFi, S-O-F-I. It's a disruptor finance company. Uh, they're about $17 right now. I'm looking to buy in around 14 or 15 on a dip. I um, just wanted to know what you thought about the company, um, if you see them growing and their uh, market going up or their market share going up. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you very much for what you do. Bye. All right, looking at SoFi, about uh, trading out at $15.88 at the close today. I believe this is a recent IPO or SPAC because the, the chart doesn't go back farther back than December of last year. Now, it traded as high as 27 and change, and now, like I said, around $16 a share. 
The question is, is this part of kind of the Ponzi sector, once again, where company isn't making any money? And if you look at the statistics, it looks like they aren't making any money at all. Supposed to lose $1.34 this year. Now, they're only supposed to lose a cent next year, but that's just estimates. Uh, revenue last quarter was up 64%, and but they lost 48 cents. Now, based on those statistics, the fact that they have a run rate of, of roughly a billion dollars in sales, trading at 12 times revenues, it's still pretty expensive. Um, I don't find this attractive until you get to about $10, $11. And it is in a downtrend. And so I don't see anything technically that's getting me excited. I don't see a lot fundamentally that's getting me excited. Uh, it's interesting because it is in the, the digital uh, finance space, and I think that is an area of, uh, of growth. And it looks like that SoFi is currently impacted by forbearance of federal student loans as well. So that's something that's a little more murky, what's going to happen with that. And so, yeah, I just don't get excited on this name until about $10, $11. That would put me somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 times sales, and that would make me more interested. But if, right now, at about 15 or 12 or 15, 12 or 13 times sales, I'm going to pass on it. So that is SoFi, S-O-F-I. 8899 chart, 8899 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, we have a little bit of time before we uh, hit our last break, but I wanted to go back quickly to our main focus point and, and touch on the baby boomers and those that have retired recently. And what worries me the most about these, these re retirees is that they're relying on equity returns. Uh, those that were similar to the last year and a half since the COVID bottom. Remember, this was massive stimulus from government, both on the fiscal and monetary side. Um, and I don't think those returns are repeatable. It's not. You're seeing the effects of it with inflation. And therefore, stimulus has to come off. And you're going to get a much choppier market. You're starting to see that with the Fed unveiling plans to taper, with it being more difficult to pass legislation to stimulate the economy, what happens when there's a split Congress again, like there normally is? How difficult will it be to pass stimulus then? So we're entering an environment that is not easy. It's not easy not going to be easy. If your experience with the market is the past year and a half, you did not experience a normal market. You did not. And you need to be prepared for a market that's going to be more difficult. It means you have to have a more targeted strategy. The major indexing strategy is not going to work very well. You're just sitting in the indexes. Why? Because they're heavily weighted towards high multiple stocks. Those aren't going to do nearly as well. So please be aware and open your eyes and make changes. We're heading to our last break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. 
Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story. Supply chain issues and COVID variant surges are hurting retailers. Kohl's, Nordstrom's, and Macy's shares trading lower and Bed Bath & Beyond feeling the pain. What's ahead for retailers? See, we'll break that story down tomorrow. But now, let's squeeze in another caller question. I had a question for you guys in regards to Pfizer. With a lot of their major patents expiring in 2023, I was wondering what you guys' long-term thoughts were on Pfizer. All right, thank you. Well, Pfizer is the world's largest pharmaceutical company, $50 billion in annual sales. And when you have, like you said, patent cliffs coming due for uh, many of their drugs, along with the fact that there is now pressure in Washington to allow Medicare to negotiate prices with drug companies, which uh, in many cases are higher than abroad, that's going to put pressure on, at bare minimum, growth of prices and, and revenue for the company and similar pharmaceutical names. And that's really the issue here. Uh, so I'm going to completely 100% pass on Pfizer. Uh, I would move on. And I just don't like this space overall. It has to be very, very, you have to be very, very selective, uh, especially with the large names. They have to be very small, it, it nimble to grow, and not subject to a lot of price deflation risks with regulation. All right. Now, lastly, I want to touch on China, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, but currently China is waging war on capitalist excesses, and President Xi sees surging debt as poisonous, poisonous fruit of financial speculation and billionaires as a mockery of Marxism, and the party is permeating every inch of national life, which it normally does, but even more so today. Now, it started back in 2020 when they blocked the IPO of Ant Group, an affiliate of Alibaba, a tech giant, where there were some shenanigans going on with, with that. But they exerted their power to prevent them from extracting more wealth from things like Ant Group. Recently, Didi's ride-hailing... Uh, company has been punished for listing their shares here in America. Cryptocurrency has been banned and profits for tutoring has been banned as well. They've decided gaming is bad for children and limiting that and China needs larger families. So they're actually forcing abortions to be more rare. And all of this comes down to the new slogan which is common prosperity. And they're pointing to the fact that 20% of China's household income is, what is this? The top 20 of China's households take home over 45% of the country's disposable income. So your top 20 are vastly more wealthy. The top 1% own over 30% of household wealth. Then they're also put turning their ire towards the tech companies because they have so much access to personal data and have become in some ways more powerful than the CCP 
And they're also worried about rivals getting access to certain commodities and certain technologies. And so these top-down changes are moving very fast. And when you have a government that is willing and able to implement pretty much whatever they want and also spewing a slogan like common prosperity, it makes investing in that market pretty difficult for me to swallow. And so for all of you out there that may have Chinese companies in your portfolios, you're probably looking at pretty big losses or drawdowns over the past nine months or so since they all peaked in February of this year. Don't be too optimistic that that's going to return to the February levels because I think that could be an all-time high in Chinese stocks and you need to be very weary of investing in that country because it's about common prosperity, not prosperity of you, the shareholder. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 35 million. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. And if you do, we will prioritize your answer if you leave a question along with that review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.